Green sky at morning. Neighbor take warning. Green sky at night. Neighbor take flight. Welcome to We Came From The 80s, the podcast where we talk about movies we thought were cool. I'm your host, Farron, and we're here today with Heather. Hello. And Remy. Hello. And today we're talking about a movie about a man on vacation who must join forces with his neighbors in order to do battle with the forces of poor lawn care and house maintenance. Of course, we're talking about The Burbs, which premiered on the 17th of February, 1989, so it just makes the cut for our, uh, for our podcast. It was directed by Joe Dante, you might know from Gremlins, Inner Space... He did, he did the Twilight Zone movie, Explorers, which is a really rocking film about three kids who build a spaceship. Very, very neat. With River Phoenix and Ethan Hawke. And it's a good movie. It was written by Dana Olson, and it stars Tom Hanks, Bruce Dern, Carrie Fisher, and Corey Feldman. And it's a different sort of film. It's a lot lighter than the ones we've been doing this season. So, I have no idea where I first saw this film. Probably on Super Channel. It's not something my parents would have rushed to see how would uh, you've seen it before you said yeah it's one of those movies where i'm watching it today going i remember it don't know when i saw it don't really remember it just know that i've seen it at some point so yeah it's not a not the most memorable movie i've seen in my life no it's kind of it's one of those you know it's one of those comedies i mean every every decade every year has that movie that just sort of it comes it goes you know it was just sort of it, it is there it is a movie that exists but I always thought it was hilarious. How would you? You'd never seen this before, had you? No. No. What did you think? It's it's one I was meant to see, and then it meant came, to. <laughs> and then it came out of theaters, and a, a different goofy comedy came around, and that was I it. forgot. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh yeah it's it's a little different. I mean Joe Dante he sort of does these sort of generic. I don't say generic. That's not fair. But some of his movies are very very distinctive. But his movies are sort of. Middle of the road, very mainstream comedies. They're not incisive comedies. They're not brilliant. They're just good. Sort of like Gremlins or Inner Space. Remember with the yeah, I, I like Inner Space. Uh, no, Martin Short and oh, Dennis Martin Quaid. Short, yeah. Dennis Quaid. Yeah, yeah, it's a remake of a Fantastic movie. Voyages. Where you know the guy goes into the bloodstream, mm-hmm. and then there's yeah. He did Gremlins, of course. He did uh, Twilight Zone, the movie, which almost destroyed him. Remember, two people were killed on that movie. It was, a, it was a terrible accident, and, and they, they almost hung Joe Dante out to drive for it. But, I mean, he's continued to make movies, and, you know, some of them are pretty good. Yeah, Explorers of Twilight. He did Twilight Zone. He, he directed a lot of the amazing stories. Remember that Spielberg TV show? Mm. He directed five episodes of that. He directed uh, Amazon Women on the Moon, which <laughs> it was meant to be like a comedy version of these old 1930s serials. So almost like the goofy, stupid version of Raiders of the Lost Ark. And it was filled with comedians, including like Bill Maher and a bunch of others. It's an utterly immemorable film. He did Gremlins 2. He did The Burbs. He directed a bunch of episodes of Erie, Indiana. Did you guys ever see that? The name's really I, familiar. I remember the name, but it, not the... Erie, Indiana is essentially a more supernatural version of this movie, of the Burbs. It takes place in a town called Erie, Indiana, where everything is weird. And it's just about this kid chronicling that. So every week, 
you see another thing that is weird. Like the mother who sells Tupperware, and it turns out she's actually like 100 years old, but she seals herself in Tupperware. Like weird thing, you know, at night. Like weird things like that. Or why is it that the dog, that, that you know, the dog catcher never seems to find any dogs? Like, you know, little, it, it just, it was meant to be sort of this kooky, weird kids film. And it was based on this idea of the, the inherent weirdness of the suburbs, which is, of course, what this is, right? This movie is about... The burbs and everything seems very normal. And when we first see it, other than the weird shit coming out of the Klopex basement, how much more normal could this place be? You got the old retired guy who you know makes sure his lawn is obsessively green. You've got neighbors complaining about dogs crapping on their lawn. But it's uh yeah, it's like it's it's the sort of the normality of it. And that's one thing Spielberg was good at. I mean, we saw that in even um, in Poltergeist, and you see it in ET. The sort of the inanity of the suburbs where everything is just generic and you can't tell the houses apart and everything seems fine, but under the surface, there's something weird. Neil Gaiman's really good at doing those, you know, sort of that, that hidden world just on the other side of the mirror. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the same here, like, you know, this whole movie, it's about sort of the, the under the surface, like even when things are sort of at the beginning of the film where you just, okay, there's weird neighbors who don't know how to mow their lawn. They start talking about that guy, Skip, you know, it was a night just like this that it happened. What happened, Mr. Weingartner? Oh, it was a long time ago, Ricky. Hinkley Hills was a lot smaller then. You never had to lock your doors. I must have been maybe, oh, nine, ten years old. You know where the big mall is? Yeah. Well, there used to be a big drugstore down on the corner there. It had, it had a big soda fountain in it. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah, the guy who ran it was a, was a rotund guy. He had glasses. His name was uh, Skip. Lived over in Elm, had a wife, a couple kids, you know, not too sharp. I mean, hey, the guy's 40 years old. He's wearing a paper hat and he's making cherry Cokes. It's a sin she's not running for governor, right? <laughs> anyway, it got hot that summer. I remember it got real hot. And they start they start smelling this, this really vile stench over on Elm. And, and they figure it's coming from Skip's place. And no one wants to say anything. I mean, what do you do? Go knock on the guy's door? Hi, your house stinks. So, so people are trying to ignore it, right? They're trying to pretend that it isn't happening. And, and you know those pine things? They're trying to cover up with those pine things that you put in cars. People are hanging those on their porches. <laughs> oh, you think that's funny, Ricky? Well, yeah. Well, yeah? Let me tell you what happened next, okay? The state health inspector shows up. They go over, they talk to Skip. He says he's got a sump pump problem. They leave. Hey, the guy's got a little sewer problem. He says he'll look after it. Everything's okay, right? Mm. Wrong. A couple hours later, there's smoke pouring out of the windows of Skip's house. The firemen show up, they go into Skip's house. You know what they find? What? Skip's family, dead, murdered by Skip weeks earlier with an ice pick. And, you know, the one guy, the one neighbor, Art, says, uh, you know, every, you know, these, these small towns are full of those stories, and they are. I mean, of course, I grew up in Calgary. It's not a small town. You grew up in Edmonton, you grew up in Calgary. But, you know, small towns always have those stories. Of, well, did you hear what happened down the street? And two generations later, it's... It's nefarious. You know? Right. Well, and then the thing about small towns, or even in this case, they're trying to portray this small town community in the suburbs, which yeah. is what suburbs is trying to recreate, or these small you know, town feels. Yeah, Pinkley like Hills, I think is what it's called. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I say to people all the time, there's communities where, you know, it's a great community atmosphere, but you've always got that looky-loo over the fence. And that's that's kind of what's happening in this movie, is yeah. they're, they're the looky-loos. They're the what's going on next door. Yeah, they're, they're nosy. They're nosy neighbors. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because no. there's nothing to do, right? Like, there's nowhere for these people yeah. to go. Lawn competitions and 
everybody's got to have a nice lawn and no weeds in the... Yeah. When we look at the kid, Ricky, what does he do with his days? He washes his neighbors because the, the antics, we have to play by Corey Heldman, like the, the antics are absurd. I mean, he also likes to oogle the neighbor's wife. Uh, he's a little creepy that way. Hey, Ms. Rumsfeld, <laughs> no tan lines looking good. And, you know, it's like, really? Well, she's playing it up, too, so she well, likes... Well, yeah, it's she's she's a generic character. Unfortunately, she's not a real character. She's probably the the most two-dimensional character in the movie. I mean, even even Tom Hanks' wife, Carrie Fisher, is... I mean, it's Carrie Fisher. You don't give her nothing to do. You give her a good part. Yeah. Uh, and she really comes off here... You know, she's not Princess Leia. She comes off as a grown-up. And that's what I actually really liked about this is that Tom Hanks' character, Ray, Ray Peterson. Ray. Yeah. So you got Ray Peterson and his wife, Carol, and they're like a normal couple. They even argue like normal people. And their kid is perfectly normal. It's everyone around them that are freak shows. Like Art, when we see him, he's coming out of the he's coming out of the uh, the bushes with a gun. Yeah. To shoot to shoot a bunch of ravens. And you know, like that's the first thing we hear. Oh Art's got a gun. Like that's that's our introduction to Art. The you know, only the, thing he doesn't shoot is the raven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then Mark Rumsfeld, named after well, at that point it would have been an old an old political operative. He became you know George W.'s defense minister. Rumsfeld is like this was an arms dealer. One of you know, he's ultra patriotic. The first time we see him, he shows up in his 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 camo shorts to raise the flag and then, you know, step on the shit conveniently left by the dog from three doors down and he's yelling at the old man through the window. What are you doing up? Walter's dog just took a dump on Rumsfield's lawn again. Good, honey. I know you're in there, old man. Honey, honey, the neighbors. Listen up, mister. That piece of scum barking rat ears has just taken his last dump on my lawn. Tom Hanks is sort of watching all of this because he's taking the week off and he just sort of, even he realizes his neighbors are weird. Yeah. You know, everyone's very, very normal on the surface. Like Mrs. Rumsfeld, she's trying to pull, you know, her husband into the house. Please stop yelling at the old man because she doesn't want to make a scene because it's all about appearances. And then, of course, there's the Klopex, you know, yeah. the, this house okay. next to Ray Peterson's where you could see, you could draw a line between the green grass of Peterson's lawn and the brown dead of the Klopex yard. And when, and remember in the very beginning, Ray Peterson steps over the line from his property into theirs and he gets this howling wind and dust kips up, kicks up and then he takes a step back onto his lawn and it goes away. And the, and the, the music too, right? <laughs> Oh yeah, the organ playing. Yeah. It's, it's 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 this is not a subtle film. No, you know. Well, like you said, you know, they're vampires. So, what's your first hint? Is this, you know, the, music? the music? I mean, they're not vampires. It turns out they're just murderers. But like, there's nothing super natural about this film. The fact that he steps over the line and there's wind isn't meant to symbolize magic. It's just funny. Joe Dante doesn't go to that level. He's, I mean, he's a good director, but he's not brilliant. He just thought it'd be funny that when you step over into the Klopex lawn. Create that eeriness. Yeah, 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 like the weather—it's like the weather changes, you know. That's yeah, when, yeah. Um, evil attracts thunderstorms again. That's right. Yeah, and, and and cars break down in the presence of evil as well. 
You right? That's, that's, that that's, explains that's why they're driving yeah. a beater. And I think this house got shot, hit by lightning like three or four times. Yeah, but it has. Yeah, yeah, every time every time they turn on that scary ass whatever in the basement, yeah, it attracts lightning. They did have the the, the lightning rod on the roof. Yeah. yeah, well, it stays on the roof for most it, of them. It was on know. purpose. Well, yeah. Most yeah. Of <laughs> yeah, and and there's, and there's clearly clearly there's creepy stuff going on in this house. And in the middle of the night, the basement lights up like something out of a sci-fi movie. Is that a transformer or something? Goddamn power company in the back. I can't. What? Where is it coming from? I know where it's coming from. sounds like they're starting up a jet engine in the basement and then smoke comes out out and you know of the of a pipe in the ceiling and then the lightning rod you know attracts evil level of lightning there's lightning there's awesome lightning and then there's there's evil in your house lightning and you know a guy drags out a, a garbage can he drives it to the curb on you know drives he, he leaves his uh the, the, the young clopac guy hans exits his his garage drives 20 feet to the curb takes a bulky garbage bag, beats the shit out of it into the garbage can, and then drives back in while these three guys, Rumsfeld, Ray Peterson, and Art, watch. I can see the news report now. They were a quiet family, kept pretty much to themselves. No one would have ever suspected them of foul play. I've never seen that. I've never seen anybody drive their garbage down to the street and bang the hell out of it with a stick. I've never seen that. And I don't know about you guys, but I just got the impression these are little kids. I mean, they're grown adults. I mean, they're the arms dealer is clearly, you know, on the verge of retirement. The other two are have kids, or at least well, Art yeah. doesn't have kids, but Ray has a kid who's what about ten? Sure, ten, eleven. Yeah. So they, they, these are mature adults, but they're behaving like five year olds. Like you know, we talked in a, in a bunch of these movies about sort of going out into the neighborhood and finding adventure. That's what these kids are doing. These what these guys are doing. Yeah, and like, even when uh, Ray Peterson gets grounded, his, his, wife his gets friends grounded. are in the driveway saying, please, can he come? Yeah, and when, when, when yeah, Carrie says, I think I've given you my answer. And- hey, Ray! Ray, we got a plan. Come on. We got a plan. Come on. We got... Sorry, boys. My husband's not feeling well. He has to stay in his room. Ooh, he was bad. Come on. Please, Carol, let him come out. Come on. He can't come out until he resembles the man that I married. Carol, we don't have that kind of time. Please let him come out. Come on. I think that I have given you my answer. You know, Rumsfeld puts his hands in his pocket and they sulk off like a bunch of five-year-olds. But that's, I mean, even the camera angle, sort of looking down on them, they look like a bunch, they look like a couple kids. Carrie Fisher's the only actual adult in the whole thing. Yeah, she treats like she. Yeah, she. She almost comes across not so much as Ray Peterson's wife, but as his mom. Are you going to do this? Are you going to hang around? Are you going to? Are you going to be lazy? Are you going to dress this? It's like she's she's sort of the generic Hollywood uh, woman. She's waiting for the boys to come in. She's you know, and she's there to say you're not home enough and you don't pay attention to me. But at the same time, she doesn't come across as vacuous. She comes across as a grown up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the thing I like there is they they. 
like you said, it's like these kids that are adults out for adventure and Carrie Fisher's there and is like trying to encourage him. Well, let's go to the lake. Let's go to the cabin. And he wants to go on vacation. He just needs time away from work. We've all been there. Yeah. But he's realizing that out his window, because he saw them digging in the backyard, he's deal with out his window, I don't need to go on vacation. I got this live action show going on right here that I need to be a part of. And, and as much as he tries to pull himself away to be normal, Art's yeah. always kind of pushing him. Like, well, yeah. Art's I, kind of the... The the imaginary or the imagination guy. Yeah, he's well, he's the devil on uh, he's the devil on Ray's shoulder. Yeah. yeah. Hey, there's something going on. Let's take a look at it. And he doesn't want to. And even Ricky, the teenager from, from across the street, Corey Feldman, even he says it. Like when he's remember he has his girlfriend over for a date night so they can watch the crazy shit in the neighborhood. And he says, yeah, that's Ray Peterson. So he doesn't want to believe that there's his neighbors are up to something nefarious. But then he'd have to like deal with it. And it's true. But up until uh, the dog, until Ray's dog digs up a bone. Mm-hmm. And it's like a you know it's a human femur. They don't think anything's wrong. Or no, actually, sorry. Before that, even before that, there is the problem, right? Isn't there? Because uh, they find Queenie, the old man's dog, mm-hmm. on the lawn, and he's and the dog is dirty and it's been out all night. And then they they go into the old man's house, whose name is Walter. Walter, yes, yeah, Walter. They go into Walter's home. And break into Walter's. They home. break into Walter's home. Yeah, and him and uh, uh, Ray Peterson and Art and Rumsfeld and for some whatever reason Ricky the teenager show, <laughs> shows up, and you know while they're trying to all steal shit because they think the guy's dead. Well, I don't like this. I don't like snooping around a neighbor's house. You mean a dead guy's house? You want to take that out of your pocket? You want to not steal that from Walter's house, please? Hey, what's the difference? All this junk is going to end up in a flea market sooner or later anyway. Uh, you know, Tom Hanks' character, Ray, is just trying to figure out what the hell's going on, but you know, the TV's been left on, one of the chairs has been turned over. It looks like there's a bit of a struggle. And, you know, and the go, toupees there, and no one leaves their house. Old people don't leave their, their house, house without, without their, their hair, toupee. yeah. <laughs> and they go into the kitchen looking for stuff, and, you know, sort of the last straw is when, you know, Art raids the fridge for food, because of course he does. He eats. There's that hilarious scene with the eating with him him and the, and the son. Ray, you know, Art's always eating, and he's holding this plate, and Corey Feldman comes through the door and breaks it. Yeah. And Ray says, okay, enough. Everyone get the hell out. Yeah. I've actually seen the outtakes of that scene. It took like 20 takes to get that right. Because the, the glass kept not breaking. The plate <laughs> kept not breaking. On cookies, Corey. Hey, you guys, look. These cookies look... Oh, what the... I hope I lifted it. Good going, Duke. Hey, you guys, look. These cookies look homemade. <laughs> hey, you guys, look. These cookies look homemade. Oh, oh watch that plate, because you wouldn't want to drop it. Cookies, cookies, babe. These. Hey, you guys, look. Hey, you guys, look. These cookies. Keep going, keep going. Don't, 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 don't reslate it. Let's just do it. Two. Wait a minute. Two, two. Still rolling. Hey, you guys, look. These cookies look homemade. Oh, what the fuck? Come on, be ready, be ready. Three. Hey, hey you guys, look. These cookies look homemade. Oh, great, Ricky. Very good. nice. That's good. And one time he knocked it out of his hand and he just like over and over. Yeah. And leading up to this, I thought what was good was, you know, they tried to include the neighbors 
a few times the Kovacs. Klopaks. Klopaks. They yeah. tried to include them a few times. They, they try and say hi, and they're, they're always... Like trying to, they go knock on the door, and then the 669 turns into 666. Six, 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 six. Yeah, because the, the, the number turns over, and the yeah. bees come at them. It yeah. breaks through the breaks through the deck, and then the bees come at them. That's kind of like the opening scene, is them actually building up the courage, and everyone's watching, oh, they're going to do yeah, it. Yeah, like a bunch of kids. It. You ring the doorbell. No, you ring the doorbell. Yeah, and, and, they, you know, and, they, yeah, and that's the thing. Like it, it's, it's, a slow, it's actually a slow burn. It's actually not that much... It doesn't move much faster than Poltergeist. When you read, when you think about it, it's it's this slow burn of there's nothing really wrong. Okay, maybe that's weird. Yeah, but there's really nothing, and that's no big deal. And okay, so they're 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 you know their porch is in disrepair, and they have a beehive problem. And but at the same time, everything seems normal. It's all slapstick humor. Oh yeah, like the like, thing with the bees, where they're you know, running across the street screaming because they you know they're covered in bees, and Rumsfeld comes at them with a, a hose. You run to water, and then of course the the hose runs out of slack, and he winds up flat on his ass and. Yeah, it's very, it's, it, you know, it's, 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 it's humor for the kids. But I don't think this is a kid's movie, the way Gremlins was. It's a more grown-up film. I mean, it's not adult, but it's, it's humor aimed more at adults than kids, I would think. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they can make the case for maybe mid-teenagers or yeah. a little bit. Because they, but it's not for 10-year-olds. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I yeah, agree with that. Starting to. Can you come home and play, please? Like, that's very geared at. You know, an eight-year-old, yeah, an eight-year-old's not going to get is not going to get why it's funny to portray two grown adults in that way. Yeah, whereas yeah, a teenager probably would. Teenagers starting to see the ridiculousness of suburbia. Yeah, and that's the. I mean, Corey Feldman, the, the teenager in there, he's oh, he's such a stereotype, dude. Oh, yeah, you know, I call the pizza, dude. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah and he's pro- he's a stoner. Though they never, you know, it's that they never even oh. suggest that. We see him drink a beer. Art gives the kid a beer. When they're talking that night about Skip, the, the the soda jerk who kills his family with an ice pick, they don't treat um, they don't treat the kid Ricky like a dumbass. Like they don't treat him like he's dumb. They treat him like he's not a kid and like he's a part of the cul-de-sac. Or the, yeah, or, yeah, he's the, he's one of them. Well, they, they've probably known this kid for years. Yeah, this is the thing. Like everyone, know, like I'm not sure about the others, but you know, Art's been there obviously since he was a kid. So is I'm not. They never say about Peter uh, about Ray. Tom Hanks' character, Ray Peterson. They never say whether he's he's heard about the yeah, thing with he, with. he wasn't there at the. Art knows the story, so he's been there a long time. When he says, you know, this, the town used to be much smaller, but yeah. So I just like how things just sort of slowly escalate. There's no point in even going through scene by scene because it's really in waves. Well, and they start they're kind of bumping into each other, and who's going to do this? And we got to escalate this. This. What is this? It's an infrared scope. Snipers use it for night vision. Well, what are we going to do with it? I'm going to crawl over there and get a look in those barred-up basement windows. You know, guys, I've been thinking about it, and I don't think we should go through with this. Well, what are you, a Freddy cat? No, I just think things have gone off the deep end a little bit. I mean, infrared night vision scopes, what are we going to do next? Tap their phone line? Well, that can be arranged. <laughs> then all we have to do is burn a cross on the front lawn. Guy's missing. It's these neighbors that we just can't get any information on. Finally, the women come in and are like, "We're just gonna go over oh, but there." But even before they... that, I mean, he has that that kick-ass nightmare. Like, remember, Art oh. comes over oh, with yeah. that that book. The was it the theory and practice of demonology? It's like, look at this succubus, incubus, like mutilation. You know, and, and Ray doesn't want to hear this, and he starts like, "I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear." It's like Ray. You're chanting. Ray, do you I'm want him to take your family, kidnap them, tear their livers out, and make some kind of satanic pate? No, I'm not going to listen to this. Ray, you're chanting. Ray, look. Ray, unconscious chanting. You're chanting. 
I want to kill everyone. Satan is good. Satan is our pal. Yeah, and, and it's it's really I'll, and then that night when and I, I I always laugh out loud when I see the scene when he Ray's sitting in bed. He's trying to explain the demonology thing to his wife, and he's watching TV. And what was he watching? Some looked like some Hammer film about human sacrifice. And you know he's watching this woman stripped naked and stabbed, and she's screaming, and he just flips the channel, and it's The Exorcist. <laughs> And then he flips the channel again, and for the briefest moment, it looks like, oh, it's a nice family scene. And then the guy with the chainsaw comes through the wall, because it's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And there's <laughs> something so utterly ridiculous that every time he changes the channel, it just gets worse well, and you, worse. You said you saw the poltergeist. Well, he's just referring to the snow, because when he passes out in yeah. bed, oh, the, that's where the snow. there's the snow, yeah, yeah. because, of course, it's, of past course the, it it's past the end of the run. Yeah. But I'm sure that was intentional, uh, a reference to poltergeist even though ray is asleep and then he has that scary ass dream where i invited the neighbors over and they're they're wearing hoods with horns yeah but of course he's seen them already with those those scary monks robes digging in the backyard in the rain in the middle of the night (laughs) which is totally normal my neighbors do that how about yours all the time all the time yeah yeah i go and help them usually sweet with the horns do you get the horns yeah awesome only on tuesdays who brings the music? Music. <laughs> Some guy with an organ. Organ guy in the backyard. Man, you're, things are more interesting out where you live. Didsbury, yeah. Small towns. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a skip in, in, in Didsbury? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but so. yeah, it's. It, it, I just like, you know, things build and build. So, you know, by the time after that nightmare, the next morning, Ray is a wreck. He's sitting there slurping on his orange juice. And that's when, you know, they want him to come out and play. And, and Carrie Fish says, no, he cannot leave his room until he resembles the man I marry. And he's like, aw. And they wander off like a bunch of kids. Yeah. And then what was next? Oh, yeah. Rumsfeld and Art dare each other. They leave the note. We know what you did. Mm-hmm. And they dare each other to ring the doorbell like a bunch of kids. You do it. No, I'll do it. No. So they do it together and they make a run for it. And then, of course, that's when Tom Hanks, you know, he's lying in the backyard trying to sleep. And the Clovecks throw the note. Hmm? Four beers by mid-afternoon. Four beers by mid-afternoon. Hey, one beer, I'd be done. But then I'm a teetotaler, so. Yeah, so at this point, the wives step in. It's like, you know what? We're just going to ring the goddamn doorbell. And we're we're going to do this like adults. Like adults. So we're going to learn more in five minutes of neighborly chat than you learn in a month of sneaking around. And so they, and it's funny because they come out of the Rumsfeld's house and Mr. Rumsfeld has got, what is Mr. Rumsfeld's name? Jesus. Mark. Mark Rumsfeld. You know, he's got the, the brownies that his wife has made, and he's holding them like a, like a waiter. And he's got a suit jacket on, but it's like a World War II army thing. And he's got a, like a, a bayonet in its frog on a belt, like some cr- like crazy paramilitary guy. It's hilarious. And they go to the house, and then we actually get to meet the Klobecks. Which includes Hans, this young guy who has more facial hair than anyone who's age 20 has any business having. And then there's Uncle Reuben and his brother, the doctor, who is scary German guy, essentially. I mean, even when, the, when, the, when he introduces himself, he claps his, his heels together like a Nazi. Yeah. Like, really? Well, and the funny <laughs> thing is, is... They get there and they ring them. They just force themselves into the house. Yeah, they they, they, they insinuate can, themselves and oh hi, we're here and slip right past them. Yeah, yeah, and then they start looking around in the house and and, and it's the, a disaster. But the they uncle, haven't moved in yet. Yeah, Uncle Ruben. Ruben, he's pretty funny because he's like no matter what he's saying, he's always angry. And well, he just yeah, stares at Tom. It's like, Hanks yeah, it's the funny. Whole... I don't remember you moving in. I don't understand that it was parked outside 
are they? Yeah, he's he's an angry, angry guy. I don't think I've ever seen that actor do anything other than be angry. Uh, yeah. I, I I know I've seen him on other Wedding stuff. Crashers. He's he's not. Oh no, the Ruben. That's that's the doctor. The doctor. Yeah. You know, the uh, Ruben is played by this guy. His brother Theo, I think, is his name. Like I think he might have been like a monk at some point. That's why he goes by the name. Yeah, brother Theo plays Ruben, and this guy has been 1906. Holy crap! Okay, he's been gone he's, a while. He's passed away. Now, yeah. yeah. Actually, The Burbs was his last movie. No way. Yeah, there it is. Huh. But The Soldiers of the Last Unicorn, the Billy Crystal Chrome, The Return of the King TV movie, that was a bad cartoon. Oh. Um, the Hobbit TV movie, who did he play? Gollum. Uncle Reuben did the voice of Gollum in those cartoons. Not the oh, movies. Oh, yeah, 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 right. But, uh, but the really bad cartoons. <laughs> you know, it's funny because they, they go into the house and the house is a disaster. Like, they've been there a month and they're not moved and everything's still in packing crates. Like old style packing crates, the house is a disaster, and they don't really like they they, they make a they, they offer tea to the to the uh, Hans offers tea, and he offers some nice snacks. You should try this, listeners. It's uh, sardines, sardines, and pretzels, and pretzels. That's a that's I I am unfamiliar with that combination. Is that something you do? I mean, uh, <laughs> I haven't seen it. Nope. No. no. Yeah, and everyone takes everyone takes a pretzel. And Ray, he's looking at his wife, and his wife sort of gives him, like, yeah, you're going to be the one to do that. So he puts the sardine. Those sound effects. The the, the squishy sounds. He puts this nasty-looking sardine on the pretzel, and he eats it, and he's, like, you watch him just trying to get this thing chewed and swallowed, and Ruben's looking at him, and... And he winds up practically throwing up, and yeah. it's it's really quite funny. Well, if you watch the um, the trophy wife, is yeah. kind of gagging a little bit. Well, because in, it's in gross. It's nasty. Rumsfeld, Look Mrs. Out. Rumsfeld. Yeah, well, what's Mrs. Rumsfeld's name? Mark Rumsfeld. Bonnie. Bonnie Rumsfeld. Yeah, yeah. So Bonnie Rumsfeld's looking with Carol. They're just looking at horror as he <laughs> eats this thing, and you know that eventually uh, his brother the Doctor shows up, and he shakes. Uh, we'll to, raise uh, hand. Don't forget the shadows, though. He's coming up. Yeah, from the yeah. Door. Off the stairs, the, the, he's a little guy. Yeah, the, the, yeah. The door opens and it looks like this menacing God knows what, and you can see he's got gloves on him the whole nine yards. And yeah, it's the actor's name is Henry Gibson. He was in Magnolias, Blues Brothers, Boston Legal. This guy's been in some serious stuff. Malcolm in the Middle. Okay, he has a, he's in Stripperella. Okay, I think we can all agree that's not serious. Yeah, so, you know, his brother, you know, the doctor shakes Ray's hand. And, it, and of course, it looks like it's blood. It's paint. And we get to see that scary-ass painting mm-hmm. that he does. And, you know, uh, Rumsfeld keeps turning the thing over and over, trying to figure out what weighs up. And it's like... It's a depiction of, I guess, a heart operation or something like that. Yeah, the, the syringe or whatever there with blood. Yeah, and the and... lights, and you see the. It, but it's like from the patient's point of view, it's really a disturbing painting, and it's clear they're weird, but they seem very normal until the dog bursts out of the basement, this big ass Doberman pincher, and charges into the backyard. You keep a horse in the basement. Yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. It's just, of course, it's, yeah, it's just a big uh, Doberman. Great, great Dane. Yeah, and it, is that what it was? Yeah. Great Dane, okay. It charges into the backyard because while all this shit's been going on, Art, who was not involved, the instigator of all this, has been digging in the backyard or digging around in the backyard uh, this whole time that these, that, that these you know, the, the two couples have been having this nice, nasty yeah. tea. And he goes racing back over the fence and, you know. Sets off the alarm. Sets off every alarm, which is a lot of lights. And, you know, and, and they sort of, you know, the family sort of excuse themselves and, 
And so, yeah, so Ray uh, says, you know, he, he tells us his wife, yeah, you're right and I'm wrong. There's nothing, you know, they're clean. They're just weird. So what? Let me just talk to the guys. <laughs> and that's where he realizes he's found Walter's toupee in their house, despite the fact that he slipped it in through the mail slot after they left Walter's house, along with the note, we have your dog. Which, <laughs> yeah, that's just bad. <laughs> poorly you know, worded. Poorly worded. We have your dog. Might as well have done that and cut out newspaper letters yeah. or something. Yeah, so at this point, Ray is now convinced. It's not just the femur that's done. It's not just the crazy shit in the basement. It's not just the garbage. And we even missed the whole point where they root through the garbage trying to see what is it they stuffed in the garbage, but clearly... Whatever it was, they removed it overnight. And yeah, and, and, and so they just decide, you know what, we got to do something. And, and they've just heard that the Klopaks are going to go to the university to discuss moving again. Because Dr. Klopak is a world-renowned is it a pathologist. Yeah, pathologist. Yeah. And they're going to move again, which is clearly, it's not so much that they've learned they're going to move. They've clearly decided they're going to move because the neighbors are on to them. But at this point, we don't know whether it's bullshit or not. We don't know whether these people are truly monstrous. I mean, other than the fact that we've seen them in the backyard digging in, in robes. In robes. In 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 monk slash satanist robes. No horns. That's just in the. Uh, yeah. That's just in the uh, in the dream. Well, like raincoats, like from I know what you did last summer with the big hoods. Yeah, that's what <laughs> the big the fisherman the fisherman the fisherman slicks. slicks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, it could have been, but it was just. I mean, you look <laughs> it at was these ominous looking. Well, and that's the funny thing is that they they could have played that up. If I had been directing that, I might have said, you know what, I want to see them the next day. Just you know, come out in those robes, throw it back, and realize it's yellow underneath, like yeah. a, a fisherman slick. But they didn't do that because you know it's it, it's 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 not a brilliant movie. It's not a subtle movie. It's just a fun little comedy. So yeah, so they convince Carol to take uh, his the, their son, their dog, and Queenie Walter's dog, off to was it visit an aunt or something like that to just to disappear for the day. And these three bozos, still acting like little kids, go to work, and they start by cutting the power. It turns out to the entire block. <laughs> Which you, you know what you're doing? Yeah, totally. Zap. Yeah, yeah. And the black fingernails and the hot, perfect the, body print falling through the roof of yeah, the shed. Yeah, because it's Bugs Bunny. Yeah, yeah, that's that was funny though because you don't see that till later when they're going through they're going through that shed. Yeah, and you're they just, use that I, as a camera angle. Yeah, they're looking through it and you just see it's a body shape. They don't. Even, that, that was funny. Um, and Rumsfeld sets up across the street with a freaking sniper rifle in his camos and his tea and his animal crackers. <laughs> Which is hilarious. And Ricky's there and he's calling his friends over because he knows, okay. It's like live television. The live television. <laughs> the main you know, the main event is coming and they're watching. They're mocking. The reveal, as they call it. The reveal. <laughs> yeah, is the coming. big reveal, man. It's like the end of the season. Yeah. And, and, and they start, and they dig through the basement and they go, or they, they dig through the backyard and they dig through the basement and then they have this scary ass furnace, which goes to 5,000 degrees. Now, I don't know much about construction, <laughs> but do furnaces normally go to 5,000 degrees? No, it's a little excessive. That's a little excessive? Yeah. yeah it might have been 5,000 degrees in here yesterday, but not yeah, but not good for your house not, normally. Not, not good, yeah, but it's, yeah. well, because they're using it as an incinerator, obviously. I mean, even the, the logo on that thing, did you notice the logo? Yeah. With the, the, the demon's face with the the flowing hair, it's like, that's not normal. Like yeah. that's, that's, not, that's not normal and it's good. they've got like 40 car batteries set up it's something like out of the Frankenstein movie and it's yeah it's 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 crazy and it's just at some point the Klopaks come home and they see someone screwing around well because they get the furnace going because they've cut the power but all those batteries like a generator that's right so. they turn it on and that's yeah. when the Klopaks come in and they realize someone's in the house so they back up in that car which screeches and shrieks and, and they have a lookout who isn't is eating his animal crackers yeah. and not noticing Oh, because this. he's messing with the kids right the teenagers yeah. screwing with him and he's just ignoring them because at some point he falls off the roof remember yeah Rumsfeld falls off the roof lands flat on his ass squeezes the trigger and blows out the window of his own car 
And he gets a standing ovation from all the teenagers. Yeah. He's, of course you do. It's, it's pretty funny. Yo, Rumsfeld! That was very cool, man. Yeah, so eventually Ray digs so deep into the basement he hits the, the gas line and the house explodes just as the Klopex have come back with a police car. And that's where we discover that lightning rods make really good spears because it goes <laughs> flying into the air and just like out of a Bugs Bunny cartoon, lands right into the roof. Or sorry, in, yeah, into the roof. The engine. The, the engine, hood, yeah, yeah, the hood of the, of the police car. And all fucking hell breaks loose. And, you know, Tom Cruise comes out. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, what did I say? Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, yeah. <laughs> this is the one. That we've, we've done, like, two Tom Cruise movies this this season. Though one of them went sideways on us. But, yeah, Tom Hanks uh, comes out. And if you notice, like, how seriously, like, the makeup on him, how seriously. Oh, his black or swollen shot eye. Swollen shot eye. He's got, like, no hair on the side of his head. Yeah. His clothes are tattered to it, nothing. Yeah, like, th- that was a little more serious looking than anything else in that film like wow he got <laughs> he, he got blown up he got blown up yeah and and he freaks out and says you know we're we're the we're the weirdos they're normally sure they want to keep to themselves wait, wait do you blame them we broke into their house and burned it down we we we, we go through their garbage and we spy on them and we, we're sneaking around and we were forcing our like we're not like and he says. And he says to Art, he says, you know, you talk about Skip, who after his, you know, mowing his lawn for eight hundredth time, just snaps. No wonder. Look at us. And he throws himself in the back of the ambulance and says, Oh, you I know, love that bit. Oh, throws the stretcher in into and the ambulance. He's like, Yeah, honey, I'll just follow you to the ambulance to the hospital. Okay, dear. And then yeah. you know, and that's when, of course, the doctor gets into the back of the ambulance. And Ray Peterson says, You know, when I get out of prison, I'm gonna. I'm going to rebuild your house. I've got the tools now. Wait, you know, Carol's uh, father bought them for me. He's like, do you think I am a fool? And then, of course, that's when we realize he is the killer we thought he was. Like, you may have my femur, but I want my skull. Maybe I'll take yours. Hans? And you look at Hans is in the driver's seat of the, the ambulance, and they try and drive off, and that goes really well. From they crash into Art's house and set it on fire, and... His wife's home, and that's what he's more worried about. Yeah. My wife's home? Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> it's funny. They come flying out of the back of the ambulance on the stretcher, which has wheels. And, like, just out of, like, a Bugs Bunny, they're fighting as the, you know, the, like, the doctor and Peterson are fighting for this syringe, which I'm not sure what is in it. And they go rolling down the street, and they smack into the Klopex car. Which, which pops the trunk. Which pops the, uh, pops the trunk. And he, you know, the cops come up, and they try to arrest Ray Peterson. Like, no, no, no. They're murderers. Like, you have no proof. Well, actually, and Ricky pulls back the blanket, and there's like these really grody. Oh God, I used an '80s word. Totally grody. There's these grody skulls and bag of bones. Bags of bones. Like there's there's full rib cages, and they're not even clean. They're not even like the predator cleaning them and buffing them. They're like black, and they're covered with God knows what blood and whatever. It's like, oh God. Ew. You know. But it's neat because right up until the end, you don't actually know whether these guys, like whether the Klopex are just weird or whether there's something wrong. Yeah, I don't think this movie is clever enough to play the the Klopex or normal ending. Like, right. This is not a clever movie. I mean, I'll give Joe Dante credit. He is a solid director, but he's not brilliant. And this is not a brilliant script. No, it's just it's a, it's a summer comedy. Yeah, like I, I can I can see today this being made into a more clever movie where it is there is nothing wrong with these people. Yeah. But this movie ain't that. Did either of you guys see the skull in the? furnace room the doctor's talking about in the ambulance because i didn't notice it 
I didn't notice. I saw a head in the window, but it, well, I don't think it was a skull. Yeah. I, I don't even really remember them looking no, into they the never furnace. Looked. I, I don't think because Ray saw he, it either. Yeah, because when he comes out, remember he asked Ray, like, tell me before it blew up, you saw something, right? All they ever see is the femur. And he and says, a man's furnace is his own business. Yeah, because he doesn't look. Yeah, because it's right. Because he never does look in the furnace. Because they turn it on. And yeah. he has to slang, he has to kick the door shut. Because, like, flames come firing out of it because it's yeah. like a freaking crematorium. Yeah, so I wouldn't have bones if it was a true crematorium. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, true enough. Five thousand degrees. There's not much left. Yeah. Yeah. See, the interesting thing is that you know, with all those pathologists, would have bones. My my father was a dentist. We have a skull somewhere in this house. We used to call him Cowboy Bob. Um, I have false eyes I got from a great uncle. I have my grandfather's eyes. Really? Yeah, here they are. Yeah, here they are. I wear them around my neck. Yeah, that's a joke from was it Hot Shots? I have my mother's eyes, and he pulls them out. Oh, on the jar. Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of like right up until the end, we have no idea that. If they're just weird or not. And it could have gone either way. I mean, yeah. like you said, part of that is... But yeah, sorry, you were saying... I yeah, know. no, no, that's exactly right. Is it, you know, it could have been... And in the burbs and in these small towns, in the, the looky-loos over the fence and all of these things, you end up in a world where it could be the normal people that are just picking on the people that are a little different. Because yeah. when you get into a community where you have people... And I'm a people watcher. I like people. Yeah, I'm, me too. I'm I'm a bit of a looky loo myself. Um, so you're also the only person I know who uses the term looky loo. But carry on. Oh well, that's what they are, <laughs> looky loos. Um, and now you've got Facebook pages so that looky loos can all get together and talk about what they looky loo. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, you know, it's funny that they uh, they did that that way because it could just be that the people are weird and these people are just you know they're a little different. So pick on yeah, them. It's a, it's a conformity thing. Yeah, it totally could yeah. have gone either way. They could oh, yeah. have finished that I've, either way. I've lived as a kid in neighborhoods where they had standards on what color you could paint your house. Like when I moved into Douglasdale, which at the time was a new community, they had standards. And one guy down the street had painted his painted too dark for the community standards. And someone showed up and said, you're repainting your house. We're architectural controls and new home yeah, construction. Ar- yeah. We have two, two years before you're allowed to change the exterior, any exterior color. And, then, and, that's, yeah, well, that's, and that's for marketing. But then you get into the poltergeist problem where the guy says, well, I can't tell these houses apart from right. each other. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, I, I think that makes a, it boring. But that's oh, the whole point good. of this movie, The Burbs. It's all about the inanity, the sameness, the boringness of The Burbs. But underneath there's, well, axe murderers and guys named Skip and angry ghosts if you're poltergeist and aliens arriving if it's E.T. But it's, it's just something neat about that theme. And if you notice, like, these are all those movies I just mentioned. They're all 80s movies. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's like in the 80s, they looked at the suburbs, which is a very 1950s. It's, it's post-war, right? That's all post-war. You know, soldiers coming home with pensions from the Army, the GI Bill in the States, and we had something similar here. Having the money to build nice homes in the suburbs and how boring they are. You know, in the 50s, it was all about conformity. But by the time you get to the 80s, no one wants conformity anymore. But they're looking at their rows of houses and saying, Jesus, it's all the same. You know, but that's what people want when they go to the suburbs. Yeah. This movie could have been more subversive, I think, had it been more clever. But they, like you say, it was a summer comedy. This came out in June. You went and saw it. You know, your kids got out of school. Okay, we're taking you to a movie. You're driving me nuts. And you go see the birds. You don't have to think about it. Just go laugh at the... Yeah, like, you guys are going to walk out of here. I bet you if I call you tomorrow and and quiz you on this movie, neither of you remembers half of it. It happens to be I love this movie. And I don't know why I find it so damn funny. Mostly it's that nightmare thing, like where he keeps flipping the channels. Yeah. I find that desperately hilarious, and I don't know why, because it's not funny. Well, but it is. It's, it's kind of funny. It's I've, absurd. I yeah. found Tom Hanks, uh, Ray, in this yeah. movie. I found him 
to overact a lot. And he's like, oh, and he, I just want to get some sleep. And he crushes a bunch of beer cans and throws them around. And it's like, okay. Well, if you notice, he's getting worse and worse. Like yeah. He's degrading, yeah, but in a, a comedic way. A little dramatic, but it's comical. And that's it's lighthearted. It's, it's a Joe it's, Dante screwball comedy. It's one of those movies that if I was you know laying on the couch one Saturday afternoon and, and quiet and it was on, it was one I'd put on in the background. And maybe I'd watch a bit of it and maybe I'd fall asleep. But it's not one where I'm like, I must watch this. Honey. Movie. Friday night, let's cancel our plans. We're going to watch The, the Burbs, Burbs together. Yeah. That's going to be the movie. It's oh, yeah. And that's, that, that's and... not it for me. Like, when I watch this, I'll be playing a game in the background. And right. And I've yeah. got this on. It's, it's something to listen to. But it's just, it's, I chose it. I mean, you guys asked, why did you choose it? And I was like, as it turns out, it fits in with a nice subtle, like, there's almost a through line with Spielberg and the, sort of the normalness and what's underneath with Poltergeist and, and that sort of thing. It's, I chose it because it's not a blockbuster. It's not a film people, it's not one all the critics are talking about. It was never nominated for an award. It's just a sit. It's a an eighty summer comedy, but it's good, and it's filled with interesting characters. Like even the garbage men are interesting. Yeah, they were some of my favorites. Yeah, like Robert Picardo, who of course goes on to be the the Doctor in uh, Voyager, the only character I ever liked in that show. You know, he's pleased this philosopher guy who's talking about you know who someone has changed his life, and there's the older uh, garbage man who would play. He's been in any number of shows, including an episode of Deep Space Nine, I might add. He's, he plays the old man in Gremlins, the one who's, um, uh, he's kind of a drunk and he, he, he works the local snowplow and that sort of thing. Like, Joe Dante likes this, this actor. Like, he's just a, sort of the, the grumbly old guy. Like, can you just empty the damn garbage can? You really should expose yourself to this guy, Vic. He understands paraphysical forces, the healing capabilities of crystals, and the, the laying on of hands. You want to try laying on some hands? He's he's a character. This is there's, they're all character actors, except for Tom Hanks, who, of course. This is before his big breakout with Philadelphia and Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, this must be right on Big Time. Yeah. This is probably after Big. Let's find out. Because this is 89, That's right? Fair, I don't care that much. Yeah, 89. So it's about the same time. Like, Big was the first thing he was um, nominated for. But Big is the same sort of film. Yeah. He overacts. It's right. a screwball. Like, Big is only about one step above this in terms of complexity. Well, and Tom Hanks is a g- goofy actor. Until he yeah. starts doing serious roles, He's, Tom Hanks was a goofy... Who was a goofy comedic actor yeah. who, was go- who was always going to be a B-level actor. Right. But then he did big, and people, someone realized, wow, this guy's good. Let's give him something interesting. And they gave him Philadelphia, and oh my God, with Denzel. You've seen Philadelphia with Denzel Washington? It, it, it's a, he plays a, a gay man who is fired from his job at a law firm. He's a lawyer. He's fired from his job at a law firm because they find out he's, he's gay and he has AIDS. And Denzel Washington plays essentially an ambulance chaser, a personal injury lawyer, who takes the law firm to court. It was this intensely powerful, dramatic film that Tom Hanks just, like, people walked out of the theater with their jaws open because, like, my God, this is Tom Hanks, excuse me? Yeah. You know, it's sort of like with, um, what's his name, with Robin Williams with uh, the movie we were talking about earlier, uh, Dead Poet Society. Most people didn't realize this guy has serious acting chops until someone gave him a chance. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, but Tom, but this is pre-Oscar nomination Tom Hanks. Yeah. When he was just, you know, just a funny actor who'd done Splash. And he, which is not a good film. I tried that recently. It's just not good. John Candy's better in that film than he is. But you know, just the films. He's just he's just sort of this regular guy put in crazy situations. He's that actor. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sort of like Harrison Ford always plays the guy who's probably a little cockier than he should be, who is not perfect, but always you know gets through the actions and gets it done. He gets it done. Tom Hanks is just the regular guy who winds up somehow knee deep in shit, in cra- but always crazy shit, never serious. You know. <laughs> 
Well, again, it's for, I think I'm pretty sure his first serious movie. Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry, he did Mazes and Monsters. You've never heard of this? No. Remember the, the Dungeons and Dragons scare of the 80s when it would lead you to Satanism? Oh, yeah. Like, I'm still waiting, goddammit. I've, I've, I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons for years, and I've yet been inva- yet to be invited to a Satanist cabal. What is the problem here? <laughs> yeah, but, I think they just don't like us. That must be it. Let's start our like, own cult. Yeah. Really, I, I started when I was 10. And... Yeah, I actually don't play that much D&D, but I'm playing RPGs, and I've yet to be invited. But anyway, this was a fear. And there was a true story about a guy who was bipolar. He was a college student, and he... <sighs> He got obsessed with a D&D game he was either running or playing in. Yeah, his character died, I think. Yeah, and, and then the guy, and the guy died. So they made this scare tactic right. soccer mom pearl-clutching movie called Mazes and Monsters in which Tom Hanks played. I did see it. I didn't know it was Tom Hanks. I have seen it. Yeah, he was wicked young. Like, he was so young, yeah. he's almost unrecognizable. And they and talk... The, my brother was a hardcore d and mm-hmm. at the time, and they talked about, like, in the player's handbook, it says this, and my brother's like, it does not say see, that. Of course not. Of course not. Yeah. Yeah. It's all bullshit. But yeah, he that was Tom Hanks. It was an attempt at drama but it was like i said it was meant for soccer moms clutching their pearls to watch and say all my fears were correct mm-hmm. and you know it, whatever when you're a young actor like we're talking about alfred molina getting covered in tarantulas when you want that you you want that union card you do what it takes to get the goddamn card yeah. you 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 pay your dues you know i mean how many shitty movies did you name the actor go through before they got to the big breakout. I mean, right. Tom Hanks being a good example. This movie didn't make his career, but it's one more on the step to someone saying, let's give him big. You know, so maybe maybe for that reason alone, it's worth watching to see what happens, you know, when a, a great actor before he becomes greater. Yeah, but, but Burbs, Burbs is what maybe led him to do big, which then, after big, I mean... It's he, one more step on the you know, Do you know how hard it is to get a, a Academy nomination from a comedy it almost never happens, yeah. which is unfair because comedy is harder than drama to do. You ask any actor. Do you think this holds up as a '80s like for what it is? Do you think it's? I don't. I don't mean if it's yeah, brilliant. Does, does it totally. Hold? It's it's yeah. still funny. It still mocks the suburbs. They still exist. <laughs> They're still ridiculous. Yeah. What would you give it out of five? Do you think? Um, it's forgettable. So like three. Yeah. I mean, it was good. It was fine. It was. It was. Yeah. It was on TV. It's, it's a good yeah. example of the of the genre. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to remember it tomorrow. Yeah, so exactly. Three. What about you? you yeah, know? I think that's a good point. It, it's kind of forgettable. Yeah. If someone asks me tomorrow, oh, I'm thinking of a good comedy to watch. There's so many good comedies Why would you in throw the, the 80s. Burbs at them, yeah. The Burbs won't even be on my list. Yeah. Um, but again, I would turn it on if it was on TV. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about Commando, and, and I would never turn that on. I wouldn't recommend it. I would be like, avoid turning it on if you yeah, have a yeah, chance. Yeah, yeah, watch something else. Yeah. Um, whereas this one, you know, I would. So it, I think it holds up. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that three, three and a half, probably three, I don't think three and a half is fair, um, but three, three probably yeah. is where it is. Two and a half, three, something like that. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it is what it is, and it still is that. Yeah. And it's funny, I would recommend it, not because it's freaking awesome, not because it's going to blow your mind and you're going to you're gonna run out and buy this DVD. Yeah. It's just that it's, it's one probably you've never seen. If I recommend it, it's one you know. It's 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 got good actors in it. It's silly. It is just a night and you know. Let's watch a movie tonight. What's on Netflix? I don't know. Try the Burbs. Yeah, and well, like Remy said, it, it raises the nap index. Yeah, fair enough. It I, comes yeah. on on a Sunday afternoon. It's uh, it's not as good as that painting guy, but <laughs> oh, uh, Bob Ross. Yeah. But yeah, so okay, so there it is. It's uh, you know, it's 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 good enough. <laughs> it is yeah, what it is, it is what and it is. it is what it was when it was released. Yeah, it's a good example. Yeah, it hasn't it hasn't yeah. aged badly. It hasn't aged well, but it, like it's just it just is. Like yeah. it's not. You look and go, okay. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, there's nothing. It, it, I don't think it's dated. No, no. 
Not really. Well, and you could you could do that exact movie today. Today up updated. But and it would really be a very to... similar movie. Yeah, pretty the much. The cars would be different. Probably be more sexual innuendos in it than just the naughty because more of that stuff is happening. Yeah, like garage you, doors are third open. But yeah, stuff. you could refilm that film identically, like yeah. with just modern actors and yeah. modern in, in a modern setting, without adding anything, without making any sex here. And I think it would not be better or worse. I think it would just be the same, the thing. same thing. So, and there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes you know those middle of the way movies are, the, you know, it's a paycheck for the actors and it's fun for an afternoon to taking the kids to the theater in the summer. And so there it is. Yeah, awesome.